Wayne, I was going to say, we were just chatting off air, that the most disgraceful performance of the weekend was my son's under sevens losing 10-1. 10-1. But, and I was thinking of calling for the manager's head after that. I mean, really, you should resign, shouldn't you? <laughs> but perhaps United's performance against Crystal Palace at Old Trafford was even worse. What are your thoughts? Well, I didn't see the 10-1. I've only got your no. reports and, and you were not very happy. See, probably the most objective person in this conversation for that. So I'll wait until the, the official reports come out from that game. I, I was holding on for Spurs failing to beat Liverpool with nine men and they went and did it. So, so yeah, unfortunately we do have to confront the fact that United are regressing to something that we are familiar with seeing from them. And look, it, I don't know what to say in terms of we are too familiar with this for it not to be a surprise. But sometimes, and I think it's just the perennial thing we all do as supporters, you hope for better. And when when you get that hope, like a trophy win, and the manager is, uh, is ruling with an iron fist and it seems to be having some effect, you see those green shoots and even you tolerate the, the odd 7-0 defeat to Liverpool in there and you think, all right, well, things are still Steady moving. On. No need for that. Things are still moving this in the right direction. This is a family direction. show. Yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> the upside, bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah, yeah so you, you hope that things are moving in the right direction and, and the someone pointed out to me on Twitter and it is a really, really good comparison that this felt a lot like Norwich when the Norwich came to Old Trafford and won two one, when Van Gaal was the manager, yeah, and it was—I don't think it was that bad, but the comparison is really strong, and it, it made me a lot more worried because I, I generally think that I still feel like Ten Hag is fairly safe. I don't feel like he's—he's he's been affected by what we're seeing at the moment, but I, I think four or five months or more of it, and you wouldn't rule those that four or five months oh, for out. Sure. Then you yeah. wouldn't rule it out that you would be uh, getting the criticism, and that's the concern that we've There's, been here before. I mean, there is still the caveat of of a lot of disruption, a lot of injuries, and and so on. But the, the worst thing today wasn't the defensive performance, which for the most part, apart from apart from the goal, which is uh, we can talk about how many players quit on their performance for that particular moment. Yeah. The worst part was the attacking part, where no, did a lot of shots, but kind of. Low value shots. There were a couple of bigger chances, and just didn't have that kind of zip in the final third. Polistri tried, couldn't get much going. Bruno spraying balls everywhere, wasn't quite coming off. Rashford looked really flat. Hoyland like double marks for the whole game, and so that is the worrying bit. And that's not really where United have had injuries. They've had other problems in the forward yeah. department. So I, I don't really know what to make of that, and. And he's close to getting his first choice midfield in there. I mean, it was Bruno Mount and Casemiro today. Not convinced that formula works yet. It hasn't so far, has it? Early days still. And and so that's the worrying thing. Why were they so flat? It's yeah. It's not. It's not injuries. It's not fatigue. That one. It's they're just yeah. All having a bad day again. I we had this. I'm sure it was you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. 
Well, I, my concern with this squad of players, and there's still a core that's strong enough to connect to previous eras. And I know we really need to talk about the game, but this is the general theme of of uh, the outcome of it, really. Um, that when the season, and it, no matter what point this comes, when the season looks like it's going to derail, there's a weakness within the squad where everything just goes tits up for for a period of time, and that's we're already there in September. The the players have seen that they can't win anything in the league. They are close to really looking at that league table and thinking Champions League's too far away. Even though it's mathematically crazy to talk like that, but that's the level of surrender that we're seeing in the team and squad. Mm-hmm. And it's absurd to see that because you look at the players and you think, and maybe it is a long-term cultural thing. It probably is. In fact, it most definitely is 95% if we're coming to some kind of conclusion. It's a long-term cultural issue of the club. But the last, not the last, not the, the last, but one of the last kind of things that Ten Hag's really got to address is that there's this thing that when things go away, everything goes away. He'd addressed it so well last season, and it did come at some kind of detriment. And we've talked about the you've you've said, and I think I, I agree with you on on reflection. I've thought about it: the League Cup final being the turn of the form and everything like that. It does seem to be a bit of a trend. But he up until that point, he'd done such a good job, Ten Arga, making every game important and include the League Cup in that because he was always fielding along the, the first choice team. And yeah, yeah okay, maybe the players were flogged a little bit and so that they were a bit knackered and maybe that contributed to the injury problem and maybe the schedule in pre-season and not playing all the players at the right time and everything, maybe that's contributed to it. And certainly not having his first choice 11 is, is contributing to it. But the attitude is is bigger than that. And for such a long time last season, particularly January to February, it felt like that was if not completely fixed, but it, it was on the mend. Every single game meant something to United. And now you watching players the, this afternoon, it felt like they were going through the motions. It felt like yeah. the 35th game of the season when you just realised you can't qualify for the Champions League. That's the mental capacity that we were witnessing from the squad. And that's the biggest concern. Um, that was the biggest concern for me. Yes, the performance in all the nuts and bolts that you were talking about in terms of creating chances and control, not controlling the game. Palace, and we've said this too often, but it was particularly true today. Palace were not good. They didn't have to play good. Okay, well, they weren't as terrible as they were on on Tuesday night, but they they didn't have to play well to get that win today. United's response to going behind was terrible. Their response in the second half was it kicked and spluttered for a little bit and then did nothing for long periods yeah. and 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 that was that's the worrying thing that a team didn't a pretty average team who've started the season in pretty average form that you could see them they could kick on from this or they could easily get dragged into a relegation battle because they're so weak in right. various areas and they didn't have to play well to win and United gave them the winnies all right United have got issues we can talk about some of them all of them but that's the biggest one, is that there was such an impasse. They were so like, well, yeah. we're not going to win the title. We're, we're not going to yeah. win the title. This game doesn't matter. That's the thing that Ted Hogg needs to address uh, more more. Well, he's, he's mentioned it a few times now, hasn't he? He's mentioned culture. He said no good culture. And 
and he's been in the job a year and four months or whatever it is now. So it's his culture that he's trying to build. And there is some school of thought that says the punishment meted out to Jaden Sancho is also a sort of warning to the rest of the squad that yeah. you know it's it's Ten Hag's way or the highway and they have to fall in line. And this is a not great response to that, if if that's true. I mean, you're right, Palace didn't have to play that well to win. They had like one moment, basically. They didn't really create anything. But then for all the shots that United had, like there were four four saves. That's, that's a, they did nothing. Four, United four saves off. Johnson had to make. That was it. For for seventy seven percent possession, it just didn't didn't create anything. But if you if you felt yeah, sorry, but if you'd have told me that no, no, the, it just just felt flat. So if you told me the numbers that you know, if you'd asked me to guess a number, um, because I've obviously I've come straight from the game and I haven't watched anything back. I won't got the evidence in my eyes, and that's it. So some things may not be completely accurate. I don't think either. I think we had two penalty shots, and I think both of them looked. I wouldn't have given them wow. for, for, and from the evidence. So, what I saw, but I mean, if you t- if you gave me a number, you said that United had so much possession. You could have told me that Palace had more possession today, and I would have believed you because I didn't think United did anything with it. I don't think the chances. I'm rebatting the ball with something that was scuffed from the edge of the box, but other than that, everything was. It, it looked it's, the the value of what we were building last season was that it looked like a team in a unit that was cohesive. We talked about that cohesive or lack of it um, in in previous years before, and today it looked like we'd regressed to that. The the parts were decompen- decompartmentalized. Uh, even the the good things in there, and I don't know if I'm stretching because I thought Amrabat played all right, but he played all right. In, as a central midfield player, but he's playing as a left back, you know, and, and we all thought there was a novelty in that on, on Tuesday night because Palace was so, f- yeah. so poor that he was able to do that. Today, we look like we were missing a left-hand side of the pitch and that's that's a big problem that you've yeah, yeah. got. because he comes inside and it's not his fault, really. I mean, he's not a left back. <laughs> no, so of course, of he's course. He's emergency, emergency there. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is a concern that, the balance United have in midfield and their sort of inability to really, although they have a lot of possession, it was all kind of felt like most of it was in front of Crystal Palace and they could defend that quite well. For all those shots, I don't feel like Palace felt like they were under siege, no. that they were panicking ever, even towards the end where the crowd was kind of getting a bit antsy to yeah. put the ball forward. Even then, United felt a bit flat. You, know, you couldn't have told me that that was the 94th minute or the fourth minute. And even though United were like really desperate, uh, it was imbalanced. Yeah. Because Palestri is always going to go on the touchline and Amrabat was always coming inside and it all got a bit congested, congested in the middle there. In fact, if you look at United's average, average position of the players, they are like basically around the center circle. It's, you know, I, I'm sure Ten Hag would love to use the pitch better than that. Yeah, but because Marcus Rashford cuts inside and Amrabat cuts inside, and you've got Mount and Bruno and Casemiro all on top of each other, it was yeah. It I didn't feel like a cohesive team, yeah. which is really worrying, of course. Yeah, because that we're like, still in this position. Yeah, and I I can't say oh, that's definitely. I mean, because like 
of of the players that are injured, and we got a lot of long term injuries. Shaw Shaw would have made a difference because he would be going on the outside. That would give United a bit more balance for sure. I don't know that Anthony would have made that much difference because actually he would slow the game down and cut back inside. So yeah. I, I I know Ten Hag loves him. Is he the game changer for United in this kind of performance? I don't think so. No. I mean, obviously Martinez does help with the, getting the build-up going quicker and his passing range and all of that. But I don't know that I can pin this definitely on injuries. There's something a bit of malaise about this team at the moment. Yeah. And I hope you're not right. I hope they're not giving up seven games into the season. But it not feel like it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and that no-good culture creeping back in, Ten Hag's going to have to stamp down on it somehow. Can't Can't let this spiral into a... The season being over before Christmas. I don't think, um, I hate to be Debbie Downer on this, but I don't think that there's much of a choice that he's got with that. He can do certain things. He can rule with an iron fist, like I said, and, and try and implement that change. But you see the issue with the injury crisis, and I, I happen to agree with you. I, I think that's not really an excuse for this result or performance, really. You, you can lose a game with a full complement and play better than that. And you know what I mean? They're all kind of extenuating circumstances. And United don't have any excuse for that today. It was, it was, it was too dreadful for, for words, really. I happen to think from the choices available, I think he made the sensible things with the, it was the best choice from the start. I would have done exactly what he did in terms of putting Mount in and leaving Annabelle out only because Mount needs that confidence of playing the game and Annabelle didn't really need it. He probably could have done with that breather. Although, having said that, obviously, as the game went on, you, you wanted to see him on the pitch, and we didn't get that. My my biggest thing is, like, what we were talking earlier about saying that he's not, that we're going to see more of this, is because, obviously, we've got the injury crisis still there. Financially, we can't do anything with it because there's no transfer window open, and even if there is, and we're under the same kind of ownership, we're not going to see a lot of yeah. movement in January. So there's going to be a long-term... Unfortunately, this is going to be something with regards to the attitude of the squad and everything like that, because the players that he's turning to, as we saw, he's bringing on Martial, Maguire, Van der Beek, to all players who he would have been, yeah. everyone would have been, would have thought would be moved on in the summer. You, you, them out, yeah. And and they weren't ever going to change a game, even at their best, even at their best, and when they've been most connected to the club, have they ever looked like players who can come on and change a game? Martial. Maybe, but even then, even then, at his best, he's always shown a capability to go missing in any game. So what you've got now, football being cyclical, is probably something that's similar to the second, the 18 to 24-month period under Fergie, where he came in, everyone forgets that he finished second in his first full season, but then you get the little bit of rot after that, whereas the manager's come in, he's made an, an important change and he's turning some of the culture around but then a lot of these players are realizing well they're not going to be there for the long term what's in it for them well, the ship's moving in the other direction how much are they going to contribute to that the transfer window complicates matters united's ownership structure and the, the financial situation also complicates matters and we've talked before about he's moved on so many players so now you've got either a gap between you know because obviously quality gap the players who were good enough to move on and other clubs wanted they were snapped up straight away. The players who other clubs have got problems with their attitude and everything like that, they're still at United. 
and United have got to deal with them, Ten Hag's got to deal with them, and it's not the best attitude for the squad. So you're probably going to get this kind of disconnect. Unfortunately, we all thought it was going to be rosier than this, and we've moved forward because that's what you want to yeah. believe as a football fan. Now you're going to probably, unfortunately, see that the next sort of six to seven months, probably the rest of the season, you're going to get performances like this, even with a full complement, because we've seen there are too many players who are more they're more involved with their own sense of direction rather than pulling in the club's sense of direction. And that's a massive problem right. for us. It is a, it is a problem. Uh, and a Ten Hag's just got to, this is not technocrat Ten Hag that we need. It's coaching Ten Hag and he yeah. needs to, he's going to have to, he's going to have to somehow inspire this uh, squad to pull in that same direction, even if there are quite a few of them who may be on the way out. I suppose we should talk about some some of the moments in the game, really. You mentioned the penalty shout. There is the very obvious one where it hit his hand. I'm forgetting which Crystal Palace player's hand. Completely forget. The ball's sent in towards Marcus Rashford. He's pulling away to the sort of back stick to the left-hand side of the penalty area, and it hits the player on the hand. His, his hand's way outside of his body. He's not looking at the ball. But yeah. intent has not been in the handball law for quite a number of years now. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious. There's no way you could have any reading of, of Law 12, which we're all very familiar with now, aren't we? And not say that as handball. So it's clearly a handball. I, I, just, I just don't understand how Varga looks at that and goes, oh, no. Because it's not like it's not too close to him. His hand is, that is the not one in a natural that, position. Was that the one that there was a VAR check for then? It was a VIR check, yeah. Oh, good grief. Okay. Joel Ward, Joel Ward. Yeah. I remember now, yeah. So that was really odd, and that was at 1-0, and that would have brought United back into the game. I don't know how, I don't know what their excuse is. Probably we'll get some absolute fucking gobbledygook from one of the many, many ex-referees who are now pundits. There are almost more referees as pundits than there are ex-players. There were, to be fair... Not that we need to be fair on this pod, but to be fair, a couple of shouts the other way as well. One bounced up and hit Amrabat on his hand. Yeah. I suspect that would have been natural position for his hand, natural natural movement, I think the word is, as well. So I don't think that should be a penalty. Obviously, Far had to look at it, said it wasn't. I can't remember. There was another shout straight away after that went, oh, yeah, it was the shot from Garnacho. Did hit the arm, but they were right in close to his body. Yeah. That's not a penalty from the Palace player. <sighs> anyway, it's not it's not why United lost this game, but it is a surprise that that was not given. And obviously you get a, what is it, about an 80% chance of scoring from a penalty. And, yeah. and that would have brought United back into it. It's not the root cause of United's problem, but we are getting quite a number of unlucky decisions. In recent yeah. weeks, aren't we? I think every every game then since since the Wolves game, we've had something. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, I I haven't seen the replay of that, so I I can't. You know, like at the time we were all wondering what was going on. Um, I think my wife did say that it looked like an obvious handball, so she, but she wears she wears contacts and wow. glasses, so she That's it. she. The pundit has spoken. Well, what I mean is like Wayne's she, wife she, said it was a pen. Must be. Well, exactly right. But she she had a she must have seen it with clearer vision than what I did because I was like 
some guy was stood up in front. I didn't really see what was going on for that moment in time. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, like you said earlier, we weren't, it never looked like, it was, it was one of those like classic cliche games, wasn't it? You know, like they could play it for another hour and they're not going to score. They're not even fashioning the chance. And I think the, the problem that we had was when we needed to be more urgent and when we brought on the players, well, we made the first couple of changes and we brought Garnacho on. You thought, all right, that urgency is going to come in. But what we started doing was taking that two or three seconds to slow the game down and they were getting organised and all they had to be was organised. Didn't have to do anything. They weren't working hard because our players weren't yeah. moving. And we have, I know that this is a um, an endemic issue with United that we saw it cruelly exposed against Brighton. There's some kind of misunderstanding about movement and work rate and I hate simplifying it to this because it is that's a simplified way of putting it across and saying no the players don't run enough but when you saw what happened against Brentford last season you saw that the reaction against Liverpool was to run more and then you've seen what happens when they don't run and I'm saying run is a different way of articulating the point that I, I'm, I'm just using run to, to make the point with this but, still a physical sport Still got to work hard. Exactly. And they, against against Brighton, obviously, it was more obvious because the players were static and Brighton were literally running rings around them. Today, United was static and Palace were responding in kind. And this brings back to one of the earlier points that I've rambled on about in the past about United playing to the level of the opponent. They were close. They played to the level of Bayern Munich and they were close to them. And they played to the level of Crystal Palace today and... They were close to Crystal Palace today, and they weren't close Maybe enough. Maybe my son's under-7s team could take him on next week. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'd be a close game, and that's the point. You know, that these games are usually too close to call. No matter who, you know, United could play Forest at home, could play Arsenal away, and it'll look like it's a tough game, a, a toughly contested game. And that's the thing, um, unless you've got a team like Brighton who are ready to just take United to the sword because United do look vulnerable to that. Um, and, and they look vulnerable if Palace on the counter today, and sometimes they did it, but I think they were quite happy to sell for the one, that they looked like they could turn United over if, if they'd looked to expose the space because there was so much space. I know generally defending was the least of United's problems because Palace didn't, put that kind of pressure on them to expose that problem because there was a massive space on that left-hand side which they could have exposed time and time again if they were being more ruthless. And United were too plodding and too pedestrian. And this comes from the manager, unfortunately. He does because he can address these kind of things to affect the change and to see where that oh, where sure. the pattern of yeah. that game is going. And they were it was it was frustrating from it looked from the moment, maybe 10 minutes after they scored and you saw that this was a worryingly concerning performance that we're used to seeing from United. And, and those kind of ones, if we can call it, then the opposition are good at calling it because they're well trained in that. You know, I think they were talking about, there was a coach earlier talking about monitoring Brighton's way of play and how there are ways to actually combat that because it's an easy to identify way of playing. It's not easy to stop all the time, but you can get on top of it and you know what they're doing. United are very predictable, unfortunately. At their best, they're predictable because you know the way that they're going to set up. And I guess 
most of these players have been around the block long enough for opponents to yeah. be well versed in what they're going to do, and that that is a concern. Yeah. Well, we've, was... we've spoken before about how actually, like imposing a style on a team doesn't take that long. I mean, you look at Spurs under yeah. under Pascoglu, and they've gone from Nuno Mourinho and Conte couldn't be more different to Postacoglu's way of playing, and he's got them playing it really very yeah. quickly. Uh, and they've lost their best player, and they don't look worse for it. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not like I'm suddenly turning into Ten Hag out. He's a bad coach. It's it's just for whatever reason. It's not that I feel there's a definitive way that Ten Hag is trying to get his team to play. I know what he wants to. Like if we look back to Ajax, and he's talked about it. So he's basically said possession dominant, high press to force the turnovers. But he wants to be a dominant team. Now, we're a dominant team today, but we're Dan Van Hal dominant. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Slow yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And predictable. Yeah. And I don't think that's what he wants, but he's he, the message is not getting across. Uh, and uh, look, it's, it's very easy to, and, and to like uh, social media kind of helps us all be like this. It's, it's very easy to be reductive and go and point to one thing and go, well, it was the number of games they played last year. Or it's the number of injuries they've got now, or it was the the summer tour which left them crisscrossing a, a continent and doing like twenty thousand miles. Yeah. And and maybe all these things are a factor in in United like losing a few percentage points. But yeah. the things like how United play and the intensity with which they play, that should not be that should not be fluctuating from game to game. We should know the style now. Individual performances within that may not be good. Form may wax and wane, injuries uh, mean players go in and out. And there are lots of them at the moment. But the style and the intensity and the work rate should not change, really, given we're 15 months into Ten Hag's time at the club. So that is a concern. But it's not like... And and I don't want people to take that for, oh, Ed's Ten Hag out. I mean, we could, like, this guy's... Clearly, he's got to have... United have got no other choice now. And what do they do? Go back to the blueprint of the last 10 years, fire the manager and bring some other guy in. Yeah, And and we're in September. Maybe maybe we get a turnaround. We get one result that really stimulates some confidence. But it doesn't feel like it, does it? It doesn't feel like... like that should have been last weekend and midweek. Yeah. yeah. That was the turnaround and now we're on the up. And suddenly there's this performance. And it's like, I can't, can't pick that one out. And this is more than, as as you're saying, more than just some of the players played badly. There was something missing as well. I know you're saying there about the trend of like winning the last two games, but it wasn't really a surprise when you saw United playing like that. You you didn't think. I think the disappointing thing from this season as a whole is, first of all, we've been outplayed in almost every single game. So the the knock on point of that is that it isn't a surprise. It's disappointing to see it on the back of two two wins, but you don't think, oh, we were going to go on a run and definitely qualify for the Champions League. We were expecting that there were going to be more performances like this. It's just when it's so soon into something looking like we're going to build a run, everyone was expecting it to come at City, that next defeat, oh, that's why we're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. But no, it's come earlier, and that's because, unfortunately, this United squad, and you have to include the manager in that, They've got so many issues at the moment, and you've mentioned some of them. So obviously, there's internal disciplinary 
stuff. There's those kind of things going on. The inability to really kick on. And we must have played, we must have played West Ham five years ago today because my time up tells me I've gone on a rant on Facebook and it was towards the dark end days of Mourinho. And I think it's an interesting point because I, we were talking about comparisons and everything like that and I'm sure people can remember people as old as us, Ed. Maybe as old as me, not as old as you. Can remember Palace I, at I home. Don't, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a spring chicken. Exactly. Um, Palace yeah. at home in 89. But, I talk about that era, era of Ferguson like I did earlier. Yeah. Palace beat United Old Trafford in December 89 and Pete Molyneux pulls out the banner saying, Terrell Fergie, there's three years of excuses, it's time to go. And and obviously then things turned around very quickly. Yeah. We, it feels like we're at that kind of point in United history in terms of like there's still a lot of players who need to move on for the mentality of everyone at the club. For, for those players, I'm not, I'm not digging those players out. I'm saying they need to move on for the good of their own careers as well. Because it's it's not good for those players in terms of mental health or career trajectory. They they are wasting away at a club where they're not going to be pulling in a direction that they're not going to win titles at the club. The the history has proven that unfortunately that it's time for for all those players to move on. And, and the longer that, that situation goes on, it's not good for anyone. So that's the issue where United are at the moment, and then that's why a lot of these performances will continue to come. But yeah, to just rewind to the point of, so that's the, the Palace point I'm making just for the comparison and then go back to Mourinho of 2018, the West Ham game. So he plays Mourinho, he plays McTominay at centre-back. I think it was a three-man defence where he got absolutely yes. annihilated. Yes. And the, the McTominay point, he was playing him at centre-back because he didn't get a centre-back in the summer, ironically enough. Yes, get yeah. Ari, I know. Get, it, it, was, it was a point. To the owners, he did that. It was a cry for help. I remember at the time thinking, this is Mourinho. This is end-stage Mourinho. Exactly. Uh, by and, the way, that may be coming at Roma to, to divert us for a second. You <laughs> see what he said over the weekend? It's not me. It's not the coach's fault. That's not not why we're we're losing. They've had a pretty bad start to the season as well. And late-stage Mourinho is happening at Roma right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him gone before Christmas. He, or, or, he claims to have turned down a massive offer, uh, presumably the, from the Saudi Pro League. Yeah. I think Romano yeah, said that. No, 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 yeah. So yeah. The, the, you're right. So he, he was classic endgame Mourinho, and I think I actually posted those words in, in my little run at the time. But I, I did make the point, and it is a point I made over several managers. Van Gaal was one, I think, as well. When they get to that critical moment where they need to kick on it, and understand there were many reasons for, for why they couldn't do that this summer, that he's not been able to. Yes, he got most of the targets that he wanted, but maybe they were B targets, you know, like Hoyland. Would he really have gone for him instead of Kane if the money was there? And the money wasn't there, so that's the choices that we made. Would he? It seems like Mount was still the primary target, even though you can't really see at the moment what he adds that we didn't already have. Instead of more energy in place of Ericsson, but was it worth spending that amount of money when you've got Hannibal who, who was there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man today played on the kind of left side of that three. It was kind of interesting again to divert us, but he's very left side dominant. Just means that everyone's getting in everyone's zones all the time. It's it yeah. just that's why a lot of the beyond the work rate and working hard and intensity, which was completely lacking. Yeah, the fluidity isn't there because it doesn't look like a team right at the moment. So. Yeah, 
Anyway, well, you were talking yeah. about Crystal Palace in 1989. And, and West Ham in 2018. And, and the, the only point I'm making with these comparisons is, is really to do with the, the consistent chopping and changing. I know you said that you're not 10 hours ago, and I know we're not really there, and we wouldn't be there for quite some time. I'm, I'm certainly not there. I think the point I've made on an earlier podcast is that the one thing we haven't really done is gone full steam ahead with the manager and allowed him to oversee the complete transition to make it his dressing room, to to rid the dressing room of all of the sort of people, like, you know, like the Martials and, all right, Pogba went, but it is all these other players who, who sort of need to go to affect that massive culture change. And if the culture change isn't, right and if it's not the right thing for the club then we'll allow it to get the results at that point in time you know and then and then judge the manager fully on that but there's the one thing the manager's got the credit in the banks he's won something in much the same way that Mourinho did yes we didn't like the style of Mourinho and there was always a conflict there but when it comes to a manager and a chief executive like it was that summer 2018 and when, especially considering that he'd been given the contract earlier in the, in the year, he should have been back the full way in terms of the players that he wanted to bring in. Instead, he wasn't, yeah. and we weren't sure to what every extent single he... manager since. Yeah, every single manager has always left a player yeah. or two short. We always feel like that. We always exactly, feel. and I think like and... all right. Sorry, just to finish the point, I'll, I'll be very quick on this. Just to finish the point, is that obviously we've seen another summer of that. And now it's a point where well, do you change the manager again because you're probably going to get the exact same cycle because football is cyclical and the, the players who have been brought in by this manager and there's been a lot of them, by the way, and a lot of players moved on, that you are going to get that exact same problem if a different manager with a different style, even if that manager wants to come in and be autocratic and, and or technocratic and do all that sort of stuff, he's still going to have the same problems with he might have the same problem with Casemiro, the same problem with Bruno, and then you start in another transition. You've got to allow oh, sure. this yeah. manager to complete. He's got to have an, at least another year and a half, even no matter if the results stink the place out, he's got to be able to oversee it. This season isn't about Champions League qualification anymore. It's much bigger in terms of the lot. And I'm talking from the top to the bottom and the manager and the team is probably somewhere in the middle at the moment because it's, it's such a, a moment of transition for the club as a whole. He's just got to be able to hold his position throughout that time and, and be allowed to sort of oversee the next period of change. He's got to be the one drilling that period of change because if he's not, then we are going to be stuck in that cycle again. Yeah, I do agree. I mean, it does feel, of course, like the cycle is us cycling around the drain for the last 10 years. and. And it's constant transition to something, but I'm not sure what. And But I, I fully agree that Ten Hag has a vision. He knows what he wants. And we, the club, I'm sure, uh, has to, for many reasons, but has to and, and will let him see it through. And no doubt. I mean, maybe we have a slightly different conversation and we get to May and United have finished sixth. There, there will be a lot of pressure then to to make a change but I don't think it would make a fundamental change in in the the performances of the team so yes he's got to see it through the squad is compromised I I mean he wanted Mount yeah we'll see he's it's up to him now to get the best out of Mount we picked up Casemiro instead of Frankie de Jong Casemiro he just looks he looks absolutely gone he just like by the end of today's game 
it looked like he had a couple of lead weights around his ankles. Just he was not moving. He was very lucky to still be on the pitch. Got a yellow card and then four fouls after that. Yeah. The referee pointed at them and then didn't give him the yellow card. I was like, I was just waiting for it to come out. It's like, he, he that's Casemiro's cheeky little face, that is. Pleading not to get sent off. Very, he was fortunate. I mean, yeah. it was late in the game, so, but still. So he's got a real problem there with Casemiro. I mean, it may well be that, I mean, you saw at the end of the game today, Amrabat was the number six, undoubtedly, and Casemiro pushed forward. That may well be the future. It may well be Casemiro ends up, by the end of the season, out of the team. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised about that either. So, yeah, he's got to complete his vision. Uh, if the club want to move forward, I mean, and, like, what is moving forward under the current ownership, they've never shown any sort of skill, ambition, desire to be the best team in England or Europe. So moving forward is making sure we're in the Champions League because next season the expanded Champions League will be worth even more money that they can take out in lovely dividends for whatever sale price they really want. So it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Ten Hag's always, until there's an ownership change, he's going to be working in that environment where not enough is quite done every summer. But a lot has been done. I mean, he got five players this summer and four last. That's a, a hell of a lot of players he has got that are the ones he wanted. He may well have made compromises on a few of them. Another one that we can mention is Hoyland. Didn't have a great game today, really. I mean, he's busy, isn't he? And he does work hard and he's trying to move. Uh, I don't know if he had a shot today. I don't remember. Might have oh, done. he did. He had one. He was pulled one. it. Yeah. Pulled it to near post. Um... Yeah. He ducked under the ball for Palace's goal, basically. Did it? Unfortunate. Um... It was, he had to get the header in. I mean, we, we talked about before he joined that heading was probably the weakest part of his game. I don't think we were thinking about it being defensive headers that were the problem, but yeah, yeah, you missed that one. So learning experience for him, I guess. Yeah, you know, we're not a big side, so he's he's quite important actually in that in that kind of area, defensive area. So yeah, I mean, uh, Ten Hag is nowhere near completing his vision, and the players he's brought in are not performing up to the level that we want, uh, and it, and it is a real. Desperate concern because I know Liverpool lost today, but they've been looking quite good this season. So we've got City, who also lost today, but I don't think that's, uh, don't think they're going to lose so many times that um, they drop out of the Champions League places. We've got City, Arsenal, Spurs playing really well right now, albeit with a thin squad. So who knows? And Newcastle, there's a hell of a lot of competition for those Champions League places. Yeah. Just a hell of a lot. So even if United have a really good second, second, sorry, back three quarters of this season, then then it's it'll be tight for those places, and then we'll be in another cycle next summer of like wondering about finances and money and whether we're going to do enough. And yeah, yeah. I anyway, think... I don't know. I've talked myself into feeling depressed now. No, but I really want to just hammer that point I made earlier, that the Champions League qualification, I know that we talked about it last season, it was critical in terms of Ten Hag needed the funds for, for for his summer activity in order to sort of be able to try and kick on. So it was critical for that reason. But this 
time round. Obviously, the the ownership issue is, you know, and the takeover talk is, is one thing. But I don't I don't see it in the same way as that because really, if it, that kind of forces the issue to the owners that could talk about whether or not they'd be confronted with the idea of having to sell if we weren't in the Champions League. If the the less things that make it appealing for them that make that make it want to stick around. But in terms of actually getting there from a squad perspective, from a footballing perspective, from the, the manager to the players, all right, you want to see the team win games. I'm never one of those that, even even at Mourinho's end days, when people were sort of saying, oh, I want us to lose this game just so it gets him out of the door quicker. I can't, and I don't know if that's just because of the way that I support the club, I can never bring myself to do that. I can never bring myself to not be bothered or not be heartbroken I should know better at the age of 42 I can't bring myself to do it I'm still good whenever United don't snatch that like today they didn't deserve it they never looked like it was going to come but they didn't get that last minute equaliser and I, you know, I was good at the end but they didn't do that I, when I look at this season as a whole what are we going to learn sincerely from this squad if they qualify for if they manage to go on a run of games and qualify for the Champions League. Let's say, let's say for the next three, four months, this is the squad, and the, the players who were out, like Martinez and Shaw and Malassia and Anthony, still out for an indefinite period. That these players don't come back in. So this is the squad He's that we've training, got. Training, isn't he? So okay, well, I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm talking theoretically in terms of players that we've got, and the fringe players like Van der Beek and, and Martial and Maguire, they all play, and McTominay, and they all play. And United pull a number of results out of the bag and they get into the Champions League and then you sort of think, oh, well, those players, they they put in a really good shift for that period of time. They performed better than what we expected. And then you forget about the four or five defeats that came before it because you think, well, they're on a good run of form now and we got into the Champions League. That's not healthy for the club anymore. It's not healthy to go in that cycle. None of that's healthy. It's like a bad relationship where you've got to execute the change, and maybe it's a good thing that we don't qualify for the Champions League, because I've I'm sick of saying this over the, because I, I I don't want to criticise the players. I don't like doing it, but when you look back over the last ten years and you look at the squad, the squad's best achievement has been quality in in the league, and you can say oh they finished second, but second was never a title challenge. Their best their best achievement over the last ten years has been qualifying for the Champions League three or four times and just as often not fa- uh, not qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah. So so if we be if yeah. you're going to be blunt this Yeah, you That's you, where you, we are as a club right now. Yeah. And that's where those players are unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's not the, nobody The conclusion of that though that perhaps if we don't qualify for the Champions League it might con- it might push the Glazers to sell. I'm not sure that's true because I think they have a number in their head that they think the club is worth based on a more favourable Champions League qualification environment. So, unless the English clubs all do really badly this 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 year in Europe, it's likely that England will get one of the extra places in the Champions League for next season. More games, so it's going to be ten to fifteen million pounds more per year in rights revenues, plus an extra guaranteed what four games. So, and two of those at home, so that's another 5 million. 
let's say, for an average home game. So there's more revenue. There's the Club World Cup coming up. So I think they have those two things in mind and they think that means that the 32-team 32 32 Club World Cup, that is, uh, private equity-backed uh, tournament that FIFA are putting together. I think they have those two things in mind and think that's going to add like an extra, let's say, 50 million a year to the revenue. We will get a record revenue this year, not record profits, but record revenue because uh, we're post-COVID, new sponsorships signed, plus the tour this summer. That's the reason why they're doing this ridiculous tour will be about 40 million pounds in revenue. So add all those things together, long-term deal with Adidas, long-term deal with Qualcomm. I think they're thinking, oh, this is a revenue-generating machine now. And fuck what happens on the pitch, it doesn't really matter. And it, it does matter if they fail to qualify for the Championship League every year. I just think the odds are better. If they can have a bad team and, and have more, and if they've got a better chance. They might just have a really bad team and still miss out on it. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I just think like that that conclusion that if United are bad, they may, they're may they more likely to go. I'm, I'm not sure it quite stacks up. But sure, um, but we'll I, see. Yeah. I, I'm... Sp- what I mean is generally more from the footballing sense anyway. Does qualification for the Champions League really help United in terms of attracting players and such? It doesn't matter at this moment in time because that old theory of that being part of the transfer strategy has proven that it didn't work anyway. Nothing nothing has been proven to work or everything has been proven not to work. So United really need to, and hopefully they are doing that, hopefully we're in the process of that. And they, it's just a difficult moment in that process that they, they yeah. need to get back to some kind of basics in terms of restructuring because it's not about being there. That's not enough anymore. We've been there, you know, we've been there and we've been out of it. That's not enough. That's not what we want to see. We want to see a team challenging. We want to see them winning things. We don't have a divine right to win trophies, but United... The United fans do deserve to see a team for the investment that's been put into that squad, for the time that we've spent patiently watching it and and impatiently watching it as well. It is time to see something better than that. And so, yeah, we are yeah. we're within with the rights to be frustrated. But that's what I'm hey, saying. It's about- a short life, and we we are getting on. Wayne, we might not have many years left, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. From are, are we going to see United win the the Premier League or the the Champions League again in our lifetime? The clock's ticking. Good grief! Wow, <laughs> that's that's bleak. <laughs> I'm, be... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, all yeah. right, look, look, we should we should move on. United are playing Galatasaray in the Champions League on Tuesday. It's a really important game uh, now because obviously United lost the the opening game of this group stage. It, it would put the team under a massive amount of pressure should this result go against United. I mean, I know there there still are the three home games to come, and uh, and and uh, I don't know what it nine or ten points is normally enough, but still under pressure to do something. It's an interesting Galatasaray side because they've got a lot of familiar names, <laughs> and they're doing very well at the moment. They've won nine of their last ten. So this is a team in form. This is a team scoring goals. So uh, Mario Cardi up front scored seven goals already this season. And Wilf Sahar, who, yeah. you know, interesting move for him. Ran down his contract at Palace. He's held prisoner there for many, many years. And and I don't know whether this is the biggest offer, but he's he's gone to do something different. Lucas Torreira, the former Arsenal midfielder, Uruguayan, 
is there as well. Davinson Sanchez uh, never quite fulfilled his potential from a Spurs player. Musilera, long time in the Spanish league. So, you know, a lot of Angelino as well, of yeah. course, as well. So a lot of players that will be familiar to us and and a team that appears to be on the up. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, a lot of confidence and that's the worst kind of team that United need to be playing right now. The support that they'll bring will be unbelievable. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's definitely a tricky one. United do need to win all their own games. I'm, I'm less confident than I was this morning <laughs> for obvious reasons. But it's funny because if you did... I'm sure we did have a we have had a brief chat after the um, buying game about I didn't feel like we were you know I was I was anxious before the buying game because it's Bayern Munich and they've got a lot of quality and then you watch the game and you think well actually European football as a whole because we've been out of the Champions League for a couple of years we've not seen us against the properly elite and my conclusion was generally watching this United team they're probably last year's European performance knockout stages of the Europa League is probably where United are in terms of quality. But then you look at it against the European football as a whole and the Champions League, apart from City, Champions League's nowhere near as, it, as good as it used to be. There, are, You know, Real Madrid will probably have a season, uh, you would expect. But the, the actual top level of quality isn't there. So United were a lot closer to Bayern Munich than, than I thought that they would be. The problem is, is that Galatasaray will be a lot closer to United than United were to Bayern Munich. Mm. First of all, because confidence is such a big issue in United, not having confidence and not having any kind of coherent strategy at the moment in terms of the way that they're playing, in terms of the team knowing each other. The other thing to remember from today, and I was going to mention it earlier, is that Onana, Malm, Hoyland... Amrabat, these are all brand new signings. You've got four players out of 11 going into a team. It's quite a big difference to make, especially when you've got, you, you, you are in the middle of an injury crisis and those players will be expected to sort of, they're expected to star. Hoyland, like you said, is expected to start, score goals. Mount is expected to create. Amrabat's expected to be like he was in the World Cup and Anana is meant to be completely transformative to the way that we play our entire game of football. And that's a lot of pressure on those players, and it's still going to be there on on the week, uh, the midweek game. And oh, look, there's always pressure yeah. on United players. I mean, the 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 shirt hangs heavy. We've we've spoken about that before. No no doubt. Is at the moment, yeah. Um, is it hanging very not quite as heavy as the Aston Villa shirts because they're going for an interesting wet look this season, as much discussed. Yeah, <laughs> didn't stop them today, did it? Absolutely battering Brighton. Maybe they, maybe on. they didn't wake up, work up a sweat. That was the thing. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have to work up a sweat. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it it does, but it does break the brain a little bit, doesn't it? That you've got this Aston Villa side that we're expecting to be a, a bit more of a you know reactive side under uh, their manager versus Deserby's like super proactive side. Just yeah, wasn't wasn't expecting that. They they, they yeah. I mean, you know, we will. Aston Villa will be challenging for European places as well, by the looks of it. I mean, it look, look, look like a good side. Anyway, back to, back to Galatasaray. Their only draw this season has was in their last Champions League game against Copenhagen. There's yeah. a bit of pressure on them as well to get something out of this game because they drew that game. Um, it's not just about getting into the knockout rounds of the Champions League. It's also third place, obviously, is into the Europa. All of these sides... Um, 
apart from Bayern, would look at the Europa as a, a potential route to silverware, or at least Galatasaray and United might. So a little bit of pressure on them. Will it affect the way they play? Will they come out and be a bit more attacking at Old Trafford? I mean, there's no reason for them to be fearful, is there, given how confident they're likely to be when winning all these games this season? Exactly. No, and, and they will. They'll look at United's form, like Zaha. But I think Zaha's got wins at United before and played well against us. He'll be telling Icardi's a season player. You know, they've got a lot of... Well, Turkish football this season, uh, this summer, really did splurge out and get brought in a lot of... Yeah. A lot of great players into the league. So, and that's helping the standard across the league when, when something like that happens. So, for Galatasaray to be doing so well, I mean, it doesn't bode, you know, it started this podcast not being very confident and ending it not feeling very confident because it is one of those where you're thinking, yeah, that is, it's a banana skin. And United, when they see banana skins, they walk straight towards them, don't they? Unfortunately, <laughs> at the moment. We well, we'd wait, walk straight it. towards it and get injured slipping over on it, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, I mean, so. that's, the, that's the thing. Is like, you know what I said, I think I said it on the previous pod, you know, if you can't be good, be lucky in United, then bad and unlucky. And I guess the the thing I would say to feel more optimistic about is that we're not expecting much. Do you know what I mean? So generally that's when United do pull something to the bike and they they really have to. They really have to win this one home game in particular because... By the time we play Bayern at home, we'll know the direction of the group. So this is one they really need a result and a performance to set the tone. And they, so I guess in in that respect, yeah, it's this in the two games against Copenhagen. You're like those are the those are the ones that you'd mark down as in Sam Allardyce style of being uh, the ones you really want to win out of for sure. Yeah. Draw away at, at Galatasaray, and that's probably qualification for the next round. So. Yeah, you're you're right. Completely, yeah, really important. Do you, do you see many changes? I mean, after a performance as bad as today's, you kind of have to have changes. To it's the message, isn't it? You know, yeah. Poor performances, poor performances are, are punished is not the right word, but the reward for a good performance is you're in the team. If you're not, someone else gets a go. And there's a few players you might look at the balance of midfield. There aren't really any options in defence, so it'll be what it is. Balance in midfield, they might look at, and I don't know whether the Mount is right to play two games in a row. Maybe he is. Clearly Hannibal's performances this season kind of put him on the edge of the team, don't they? And then the other one is Garnaccio and what you do with him. My Hag seems extremely reluctant to play him on the right-hand side. Yeah. But he was bright again when he came on today. He made a few things happen, didn't he? And it's like, how long can you keep him out of the team? Yeah. The, the flip side to that is what you do with Rashford because he's been so poor, so poor, but he's ironclad at the moment. He, he, you can't drop him for, for obvious reasons that will become less obvious as the weeks go on. You can't hide behind that contract forever. Unfortunately, that's going to be the way that it's going. Um, it's looking worryingly. Like the Rashford of two seasons ago, a lot of stuff, you know. Like, yeah, I, ho- I hope it isn't because, like, two seasons ago, when he went through that really bad period, a lot of that was to do with fitness issues. He had a problem with his foot, and he had a problem with his shoulder, and yeah, and and it contributed to a lack of confidence. He's spoken about that, and he came back fit and scored a ton of goals last season. So he, he's not that I hope bad. It's not. 
Yeah, I, yeah I, it's not that bad. I want to. I do want to qualify that because it makes me sound like I'm a bit catastrophizing for him. No, he, he he doesn't always make the right decisions, but he's on on the left. He's much better than he is through the middle, and he was doing some things. Yes, he was frustrating. Didn't work out today, but he wasn't anywhere near as as low as the where, where nothing was going right in, in where and he wasn't in the team. And when he came on, nothing was going right. He's not at that level yet, and hopefully won't won't go to that level. But I, I mention him only because you look around the team, and yes, you'll expect changes. But I don't, in a way, I don't know how and where because you can't take Mount out for another. I don't think it's fair to take him out. He was fairly bright. He wasn't good, but no one was good. I think if you take him out, it sends the wrong message. The the probable answer is going to be uh, Palestri moving out of the team, and he'll change that shape to go back to the diamond. You know the four um, the four man diamond with Rashford and Hoyland at the top. I think that's the only way that he can do it. Um, whether or not he brings in Hannibal um, or Eriksson, probably Hannibal because Hannibal deserved that run. And then it's what you do with that left hand side because Amrabat. Like I said, against Palace, it worked fine in the League Cup because Palace was so poor and they offered nothing. And I think it looked like yeah. one of those games where they were meek on purpose. I mean, you would never want, you would never accuse a team of throwing a game, but you get the idea that Hodgson was quite relieved to not be in that competition and just keep everyone safe for the Premier League games because they they offered nothing. So Amrabat, he could play a free role from left back and play everywhere else because they were offering nothing. But today, when they did offer something, Amrabat played all right. I know a few people have gone on me on Twitter and said, oh, well, he was actually poor and he made rash decisions. He did. He's still one of the better performers from a poor team. The issue that you've got yeah. with him in the team, the, the problem is twofold, really. The issue that you've got is, first of all, the lack of balance that you've got on the left-hand side, which was obvious. The second one is that because we don't have another option there, or, or maybe I would probably switch it, put Amrabat on the right and Dallow on the left because at least he's played there. But the issue that we're going to have is that you flog in the dead horse until he becomes injured. Do you know what I mean? You're just going to play him every game at left back until he becomes injured and it's the next problem and then it's someone else. Yeah. United have just been... And there isn't the... really an option. Ten Hag was asked about it. Are there any options in the under-21s? And he said no. <laughs> in in defence, yeah. I should say, specifically. Uh, and partly it's because Alvaro Fernandez went out on loan yeah. to... Girona? Yeah, I think so. I forget now. Granada. Am I Is it Granada? Granada. Granada. Yeah, Granada. Yeah. Completely different part of Spain. Very sorry. But obviously Ten Hag didn't really have any faith in him. Otherwise, he'd kept him around. Yeah. Because uh, he went on the last day of the transfer window, didn't he? So there are no other options. Uh, yeah, there's that one option. You can switch that line to left back. He will make those forward runs. Does that make Amrabat more comfortable on the right, maybe? He seems to... From the left, he, I mean, he's not offering anything on the overlap, clearly, but he drops into midfield and inverts and gives United an extra midfielder. I, I was surprised after Wednesday and seeing that, that Palace didn't try the switch because yeah. there's a hell of a lot of space to exploit there. Just so much. And someone is going to cause United some problems. Yeah. For sure. And maybe it's going to be Gail Tassaray. I don't know who they play down the right. They played Tete at the weekend. Yeah. So maybe him. 
yeah. Well, that's the issue. All right, good stuff. Good, good stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, good stuff. I was going to say it's at least just your bog standard football crisis at the moment. At least we haven't got any fresh other controversy. Although we will get that very shortly with that. I, I can't, Anthony, Anthony couldn't get his name out of my mouth. Anthony is back training, so he hasn't been charged in Brazil. Or Manchester, despite the press reports and the, the detail that came out. So there wasn't a precedent set on this one with Mason Greenwood because he was arrested and charged. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is, though, both in the squad and um, amongst the United fans to Anthony being back. I don't think he hasn't trained for a month or something. So I'm assuming he won't be back for Galatasaray. He may well be back before the international break. And uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Apart from that, bog standard football crisis. Just United losing games. All right, that's it for this week's show. Patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod if you want to get the extra show. And merch. Merch store. NQATpod.com forward slash merch. Limited range of stuff. I've got a bucket hat with a NQAT logo on it. And people keep buying Dan's shirt. So yeah, good. Go for it, guys. Back is we're going to talk about Welcome to Hell, 1993, United at Galatasaray and all the drama around that. <laughs> 